everyone and welcome to Discussing Trek. Thank you for listening. What we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in somewhat excessive detail in addition to talking all things Trek. Today we are reviewing Star Trek Prodigy Season 1 Episode 4 Dreamcatcher. Like always, I'm your host Clarence and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies starting with none other than the historian Cal Jones. How you doing, man? I am great. I'm glad to be back. Missed you guys last week, but glad to be beaming back to Star Trek land. So glad to be here. Glad you are back with your recorder, sir. Oh, dear. And you know what? I have to say one thing. (laughs) Jonathan Shorts, you are the man because you asked me about my recorder within the last 10 minutes. You are the man. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Thank you. I'll do what I can when I can do it. Thank you, sir. And like Cal just said, that other voice there is Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? Man, I am jolly good here. Just jolly good. Jolly good? Jolly good. (laughs) Oh, dear. This gentleman has been watching a lot of British television, I do believe. Quite chipper. Somebody spiked my tea. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Ten crumpets. We digress. Guys, we're going to get right into our review of Star Trek Prodigy Dreamcatcher. Dreamcatcher is the fourth episode of Star Trek Prodigy Season 1. The episode was written by Lisa Schultz Boyd and was directed by Steve Ann and Song Shen. The crew has their first away mission on an undiscovered planet that manifests their deepest desires, only to realize the planet has desires of its own. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. Like always, we go to Cal Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. You never know. Cal Jones, what you got for us this week? Short, sweet, to the point. Here we go. Be careful what you wish for. Mm, very poignant there. Jonathan Shorts, what are your overall thoughts on the episode, man? Man, another great episode, but reminiscent of a lot of, uh, well, I'm not going to say a lot, but there were a few episodes in Trek that kind of came to mind watching this. So I was appreciative of that. Um, great storyline, a lot of character building. So, I, I mean, overall, just great show, man. Awesome. Cal Jones, additional thoughts? Mm, you know what? I've got to echo what Jonathan just said. Great storytelling, great world building. This episode, if I could say anything negative about it, which isn't even really a negative, it is predictable in the sense of it is needed for character development. But I don't mind that because it was needed for character development and I was there for it. I enjoyed it. So nutshell, that's what I say. Yeah. And for me, I just think the show continues to and for some of our characters, anyway, continues to give us nuggets to dive deeper into some of their history, makes them that much more interesting and anxious to know what drives them and how they got to to be on t- Tars Lamora and in servitude. <laughs> so it's just it's it's just a great episode. And like John said, it hits on some things as far as these visions that we've seen in other Trek. But it was welcome to see here. And I just like. I just I just can't find much fault in the episode myself. I really loved it. So we're going to get right into it. And I guess we're going to just kind of do it like we did last week. Let's just kind of have an open discussion of what we liked, what we disliked, the things that we feel like they're doing right and the things that might feel kitty 
to you, but I don't know if I really felt any of that. But but let's talk it out. Um, Cal, what 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 did you like about this episode? Mm, I like that again. You know, there's world building. There's some of the things that they did with the with the what's the daughter's name? I'm sorry, I can't Gwen. remember. Gwen. She's predictable. That's that's the part that felt a little bit predictable for me because I knew she was going to get out. I knew she was going to contact her father. But all of that said, I love these characters. I think they are so well presented. And I once again forget that I'm watching a computer-generated cartoon. <laughs> these really feel like characters that are as flesh and blood as some of our characters on Discovery. And I think that is awesome. So those are my additional thoughts there. So so you talked about Gwen, and let's just dive into some of her in this episode. So for the second episode in a row, she escapes <laughs> the brig, which with a normal crew, that would almost be impossible, I would think. But she she breaks out once again. And John, I think we get a prime example of the thing you've been mentioning about Gwen with this some type of telepathic power thing that she has. Yeah, like a, a like a almost going Super Saiyan type. <laughs> <laughs> like she starts glowing and stuff. Yeah, that was pretty. I'm just I want to dig into that. Like I really want to know like that power. I guess you would call it. But it was weird. It was weird. And why not just use the ship's communications? Yeah. Well, it it seems like she's definitely linked to that liquid stuff because that's where I've seen her, I yeah. guess, use it a couple of times now. Yeah. So I yeah. wonder if we're going to get more backstory on what that actually is and how it actually links to her and I guess her father, too, as well. And if she could get out like that, why hadn't she done it already? <laughs> <laughs> Good question, though. No, seriously, all jokes aside, that is a very good question because it begs to the next thought that popped into my head, which is, yes, she's a prisoner. Yes, she could get out. But maybe there's a part of her and more maybe than not maybe that really identifies more with this crew than it does or that she does with her father. So, yes, she can get out and yes, she can use this. but. She's really not wanting to, maybe. Oh, personally, I saw it her as her taking opportunity when everybody was away to to kind of make her great escape. And not only that, you know, having the chance to take the ship with her, the prized possession for her father. So maybe that was part of her reasoning just to buy her time. Is it buy it or buy? Bide her time until her her, her uh, the crew leaves so she can actually get away with the ship. Yeah, I just, I mean, she obviously knows she could kick everybody's butt on there except the rock. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I guess the rock would have been made it a little difficult. I forgot. Oh, we're going to call rock talk the rock now. I like it. Well, that's what, uh, <laughs> that's what the kid called her. Uh, what's his name? Do you smell? <laughs> <laughs> but he, like, when he communicated with her when he was looking for her, he's like, hey, rock, you okay? Or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So I'm going to stick with it. I like it. I mean, I don't I don't know if it's it may be kind of demeaning, but I mean, she is a rock. No, no, I don't think it's demeaning considering the fact the rock is the rock. So and I love the you know, speaking of that character, I love this 
I'm not sure what the right word is, but you've got this little girl character who has this face that is sweet as innocent mm-hmm. as all get out, <laughs> but as powerful, she's, she's the powerhouse. And yeah. I think that, that I don't know what this word I'm looking for is my brain can't find it, but this contradiction between that is just so cool to me. Yeah, certainly, certainly. She's one of my favorite characters as well. Do you know what? Every time she talks, she reminds me of something. And I'm going to take you guys back a little bit. It might be a little too specific. But you remember on Finding Nemo, uh, Nemo's little friend at school, the little squid girl. And she's like, you guys, you made me ink. (laughs) Yeah, I do remember that. (laughs) She sounds just like that little squid. Every time she talks, I think about that. Yeah, it's just like Cal just just said, that voice being so young and innocent versus what you see as far as the how, you know, huge and massive this and strong this character looks. Now, you can't tell in her facial expressions and the way her first face looks. She does seem a bit younger, but... From the first appearance, you know, <laughs> like you're in trouble. Yeah. I would hate to run into Papa. Papa Rock. <laughs> is she the daughter? Right. She's a kid. Ooh. Yeah. But I do want to dive back into Gwen for just a little bit. I wanted to talk about some of the stuff she said in episode. And I quote, all this time, my father taught me starship mechanics, astrophysics, linguistics, information technology, and I never questioned why he was preparing me for this ship. What the solemn slash the diviner has to do with this freaking ship, man? I'm I'm so curious to know. Uh, I don't know. And like, I mean, he's had to have known about it for quite a while. Hmm. And but I mean, the prodigy seems well, not the prodigy, the uh, protostar seems like a new prototype ship yeah without transporters for some reason do we say without transporters (laughs) i mean maybe they do but we haven't seen it if it is yeah Hmm. which leads me to the other you know this voyager just always took every chance they could to land the freaking ship (laughs) here we go again (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah i don't uh gwen she has to be like what 15 16 17 Somewhere yeah, she's in there. It's in teenage range. Yeah. So, I mean, Upper teens, maybe. And if he's been preparing her for this her whole life, like that ship is not that old, or is it? I mean, we haven't seen the rest of the Federation yet. So, just re engineer or reverse engineer Clarence's question and look for the motivation. So, if let's take this ship, the ship is the product, and he's been preparing her for her entire life. So, let's kind of back through her life perhaps when she was a small child when she was a baby even before she was born maybe this diviner was working on a project with starfleet in some way and there's something in the technology of the ship that he made but yet was taken away from him or or so he has divined that it was taken away or whatever happened and there starts the grudge perhaps hmm good point and i'm wondering was he or somebody he knew a trainee because janeway keeps mentioning and i love how they just refer to her as janeway in the in the show by the way <laughs> <laughs> but but she keeps referring to trainees she she's expecting trainees to be on this ship 
I'm wondering what happened to that original trainee crew. And I'm thinking the Diviner has something to do with that. Mm. Or maybe he was that trainee and some accident turned him into what he is, which is probably why he's in that liquid. Good point. Good point. Which which makes me feel like this is a lot darker. If this comes to pass, either one of what we said, this show is a lot darker than just a kiddie's show. Hence, the things that we've said just because they label it, quote unquote, kid show doesn't mean it is a quote unquote kid show. Oh, and boy, does this episode get dark. Yes. <laughs> but but before we get into some of these visions that they were having, I want to get into sort of this seek out new life and new civilizations part of the episode, because lo and behold, Janeway is getting them on that Starfleet train because she's got doll captain doll doing captain's logs at the beginning of the episode <laughs> she's teaching the crew basics and and plotting a course and piloting and she is saying hey either y'all gonna do this the starfleet way or i'm gonna report you guys which brought me to the conclusion can she contact starfleet at any time or was she just bluffing I mean, this is the hmm. future. There might be long range communication now. Uh, right. Right. Or Starfleet could have a remote base there somewhere in the Delta yeah. Quadrant. A relay or something pretty close. Can I touch on just how I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but that was just of like this show went over the top for me when it opened with a captain's log. Yes. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's trick. <laughs> it was so good. Was so you got good. it. Not one time. Well, I guess we did get that at Lower Decks at a certain point, but it didn't feel right. And what made it feel so good in this episode? Because because Dal Ariel was like, and Janeway's encouraged me to do so. You know, <laughs> like she's <laughs> so good. Uh, I was just beside myself here. <laughs> I mean, this is the Lower Decks being trained, basically. Yes, yes. That, like that, yes. this is the way it should be. And they approach this. It's just classic trick. Like it opened with a captain's log. There's a problem. And the problem is a trick like problem that's created. And it's created because they were doing what the Federation does. And that's explore. They find new, interesting things that's never been studied and they study them. And she mentioned as you led up to Clarence, the goal of Starfleet is to do this, is to seek out things that we don't understand and study them and learn about them. And it may be a problem. It may create a problem. Like it's a risk that we're taking, but it, <laughs> risk is our business. <laughs> but it's right. Like that, it's just so it was so good, man. So good. So, Jonathan, I'm going to agree with you by disagreeing with you and just bear with me here. Oh, yes. Boy. You know, you say that this is classic Star Trek. I agree, but disagree by saying, yes, it is, but it's not the classic Star Trek people. And to me, that's what makes it better. Yes, we've got Janeway, but what we're seeing characters interacting with this Star Trek formula that aren't your traditional captain and ensigns and et cetera's and so forth. And to me, that's what is so refreshing about this is it is the formula. It is Trek, but it's not the Trek traditional characters. And to me, that's what makes it so awesome. Well, and that's, and that just kind of goes back to what, you know, throughout the 
the I keep hating to go back to lower decks, but, you know, throughout lower decks, you know, Carrie, Clarence, y'all all have asked me the question, like, what is it that doesn't make it trick for you? Like it like it is not the people. It's like you said, the formula, like what I love about Star Trek is that formula, as you mentioned, like that, that ideal. And I don't care how it happens. It can happen in the back of a Ford F-250. <laughs> but if that formula is there, if that purpose is there, that makes trick for me. And that's what I love about it. The other thing that I am really enjoying is listening to you guys and hearing excitement and laughter and just joy coming from the sounds of your voices, having listened and again, not trying to beat up on lower decks, but going through lower decks. And, you you know, I I felt like then that we were struggling to find the positive and not make it just a bleak fest for an hour. So I love hearing the excitement from you guys' voices. And that's, that, that is also awesome. Yeah. And, and what I love about what they're doing is Janeway, for all intents and purposes, is serving as mentor to this, to this young crew. And at each turn, at least so far, you know, four episodes in, she's doing it with a gentle hand. Uh, to some extent, you know, <laughs> she is giving them this idea of, oh, let's go explore this planet with this fauna and these, this, 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 uh, this plant life. And let's see, let's explore. That's the, that's the Federation's job. That's what we do. And of course, Dal is scared and he mentions the diviner and he's being, uh, uh, I'm not going to say coward. He's just scared of the repercussions of getting caught. But but she kind of just pushes them in the right direction. Just a little bit like, oh, well, I have to contact Starfleet because <laughs> if you're not going to do the mission, I mean, so I love how she's playing that mentor. And and I think that's the type of person if I was young that I would want to be pushing me in the right direction. You know, yeah. it's, it's a hard thing to do with a delicate hand. And I commend her for the like, I think her underlying purpose of this is to kind of force, not force, but kind of mold them into a crew. You know what I mean? Like as of now, they're, I mean, they're together and they, they, you know, they acknowledge that he's the captain, but you know, it's not really there, but like through this experience, like that's going to mold it together. Like I was listening to a podcast today and a guy was talking about, you know, just like if you're going and working out and you work out really hard, it may really suck. But when you come out of it, you feel better and you can go through the rest of your day because you've gone through a difficult struggle that doesn't match anything else you're going to face that day. And because you go through that struggle and come out on the other side, OK, like that fortifies your men- mentality for the rest of the things you're going to face. And like Janeway sending them to this planet, unknown planet, studying it. She and I'm sure she knew or programmed to know that there's going to be a danger. There's going to be issues and they're going to have to figure out a way to come out of it. But if and when they do, they're going to be better for it. Yeah. One of the things she says when they get ready uh, to leave the ship, she says, explore, collect samples, come back when you're done. But I think it's more importantly, uh, watch out for each other. You know, she kind of whispers that at the very end of the line. I'm like, and of course, immediately when they get off the ship, they all go in separate. <laughs> <laughs> kids will but, be kids. But, 
Yeah, but leading up to that, I wanted to mention, John, John you brought up earlier, the protostar landing, which I was like, oh, they landing on the planet? What? <laughs> <laughs> but we might have talked about this last week, but we... Or I read it somewhere that we that the protostar might be a vastly smaller ship, but it always weirds me out when the starship lands on a planet. And as you mentioned, Voyager did it enough. <laughs> yeah, and I mean the smaller ship is not. I mean even even the Enterprise with Jonathan Archer had transporters. Yeah, and yeah. That, that was like the first ship that was like one zero zero one. <laughs> like <it's, laughs> that was the first ship that it had transporters. So, but you got to also think. You know, I would think that it would be much smaller because if you want to add a little bit of logic into it. If there's only four or five of them, you you can't have the ship be so huge that you would need a huge crew yeah. to, to maintain it. So it makes sense to me that it would be smaller. And of course, we get the snazzy new tricorders. I love the new Type 1 phaser design. I thought it was freaking amazing. I wouldn't give them to, the, to that crew because they're kids. <laughs> <laughs> That makes me think, like, I, I don't know, I need to do some research on Starfleet issue phasers. Because, you know, there's been some episodes throughout Trick and DS9 and I think even Voyager, Enterprise, they have like the little button phaser deal. Yeah. Like a little disc kind of thing looking. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I know they had those at first on um, at first on TNG, I believe. Right. Little, yeah. I don't know. But I, I I wasn't that excited about this phaser. It just kind of looks normal. Oh. I don't know. I like that how it looked. Like my favorite phaser designs have been. I like these. I like the tricorders in this episode, and I also like the the discovery phaser design, which is more of the TOS era type. Yeah, I phaser like that design. one. But we get this, and we're going to get into like the. <laughs> I know we're talking about a bunch of stuff, but but I have to mention the thunder tank slash the runaway. Um, oh. That was awful. <laughs> yeah, that thing was amazing. That thing was amazing. <laughs> I love it. I, I like. I think the only other time we've seen anything similar was that like warthog type deal that <laughs> Picard drove. Yeah. yeah, that was funny. I love that thing. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about these visions. So as we get on the planet, our people separate. We we find out that they each keep seeing stuff they really, really like or uh, vision slash memory type stuff. Of course, uh, we see Zero see the giant ship engine in the middle of a secret garden, which makes me think that engine has great significance, Yeah, which we're going to find out later. Jacob Pock sees a house with food in it. Of course, that's <laughs> right up his alley. <laughs> well, I think he also thought it was like another Tellarite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he say Tellarite stew or something? I can't no, remember. No, I don't think he called it that. But I mean, I could. I mean, he, they just kind of made it. They did a great job writing it to see make him think like it was a, another Tellarite. Yeah. Oh, and oh my God. Uh, Rock Talk gets the furry <laughs> friends, which was so cute and perfect. <laughs> but sad at the end when oh. she, you know, I don't want to jump ahead, but just sad yeah. at the end. She said, the kisses are so wet. <laughs> <laughs> but that is so it, cute little kid. That is just so cute little kid. 
it was so sad when she just wakes up in the vines and she can't move. And, yeah. Oh, that and and uh, Jacob Pox was pretty sad too because he thought he was getting the best food of his life. <laughs> <laughs> and he's eating on the vines or something. He's like, but it tasted so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And of course, Doll sees his parents. Um, Gwen sees her father, the Diviner slash Solemn. Yeah, now I think that was probably the. Like the other, the other visions, like I kind of felt like, you know, well, than rock talk, but like Jacob and Pog, like kind of, you probably should have kind of figured that wasn't real. <laughs> right. And it's very storybook. Yeah. And then what was, well, I keep forgetting the captain's name. Uh, Dow. Dow. There you go. Like maybe you should have known that wasn't your parents. Like you just see the back to the back of the head or two and you know, the figment of Janeway says you've never seen your parents before so you know like that but the uh the the diviner there like that was believable like for a minute i was like is he yeah like i they almost got me with that one because that was very possible and let me just say i freaking love hearing john noble do that role just freaking love him Man, yeah, he sounds so much like Jarrell to me. I, I went back and watched the clips of the, uh, you know, the scene in the 1978 Superman when he's a teenager and he like transforms and Jarrell is talking to him. Mm-hmm. He he sounds just like him. And I looked it up and actually, um, what's the John Noble is the guy's name? Mm-hmm. Like he mentions that um, Marlon Brando is one of his, I don't know, it's one of the people he looked up to when he started acting and stuff. So interesting. Yeah, so I just feel like he's trying to pull off that Jarrell voice because it, it, he has the right cadence and everything. It just really reminds me of that. Oh, and, and really, really quick, I know I mentioned when we first started um, talking about this character that John Noble had been in Fringe. I, I should also mention, and I had forgotten it until right now, he also was in Elementary, the Sherlock Holmes series that was on CBS for several, several oh. years playing Sherlock's father. And was That's the awesome. one that you really like, right? Yes. I loved, loved, loved. With Lucy Liu? Ele- yes. Yes. And he played Sherlock's father and was That's awesome cool. at it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Of course, John, you mentioned that, that Dow should have known that wasn't his parents. And even Janeway mentioned, you know, you, you never even see your parents' face, which there's a whole story there to dive into one day that I hope we'll get. But. Creepy freaking evil Janeway. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> it was really kind of scary for me, and I'm a grown man. <laughs> yeah, oh, that boy. was weird. Like she, she really like witched out on us. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> and uh, we find out these alien plants have the ability to see what you want and give it to you, while also sensing your fear. You mentioned up top that there may have been other episodes of different of various iterations of Trek that may have done something similar. Personally, it reminds me of um, the Nexus specifically in in uh, was it Generations Star Trek Generations. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other reference that you want to bring up that it kind of reminds you of? There was a Enterprise episode, and I don't remember what it, it wasn't really things they wanted to see. You remember when uh, to Paul and Trip. And I think uh, Mayweather was trapped in this cave waiting for a storm to pass. And they thought they saw T'Pol talking to the alien and they thought they were just seeing crap like the planet was kind of changing their brains. Yeah. 
And and even for that matter, if you want to go back to the the TOS pilot with um with the uh, Christopher oh, yeah. Captain Pike, yeah, 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 and Ona, so it's kind of similar in that sense where he saw his horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the cool, cool, tried and true Star Trek concept that we get in this one that I really love. And if anybody's listening and you have better examples, please please send that in or hit us up at Discussing Trek any and all social medias. We we love to hear your thoughts on these visions as well. And you, uh, it's kind of reminiscent of that Voyager episode where the uh, planet like clones the ship. Yeah, like the mm. planet wanted them to stay. Was it Planet Hell or that's not what it was called? No, uh, Demon Planet or something. Demon Planet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, that was that's that's kind of. I mean, again, Voyager landed. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be trouble. It's gonna be trouble. I mean, they landed once, and the Kazan took their ship. Then they landed, and the Demon Planet cloned them. It's like, quit landing the freaking ship, man. <laughs> It it kills me because of of course in this episode we get hologram Jane Way telling them to go explore this planet and bad stuff happens. If you listen to the Delta Flyers podcast, uh Robert Duck and McNeil is always mentioning how there goes Jane Way again. Tell us to go explore something. <laughs> <laughs> We're never gonna make it home. We might die. <laughs> oh boy, good stuff. Good yeah, stuff. Well, that was that was good. Uh, but but things end off with Gwen trying to take the ship and take off, which because of these this plant life, it it won't let them leave. Which ends up with the ship crashing back to the planet and our crew trying to figure out what the heck to do next. And a cliffhanger for, I guess, a two-parter, you know, conclusion to this in the next episode. So, I guess we wait with bated breath. Yeah. Like, really, we ended on a cliffhanger on the fourth episode. How good is that? (laughs) (laughs) It sucked. I mean, I was upset about it, but I liked it the same thing. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I mean, I I wanted to see the resolution, but once again, they're checking all the right boxes, and that's freaking awesome. Oh, yeah. So that's going to wrap it up, guys. Any other thoughts about this episode before we give our ratings? Well, it's not a thought about the episode. It's more of a question. So does this week mean that we get a an episode of Prodigy and Discovery on the same day? Yes, it does. And unfortunately, this is the ser- this mid-season a la Walking Dead style mid-season finale for prodigy ah, so this next episode is going to be the last episode we get this year really interesting yeah it made me sad when i read that uh, <laughs> that's gonna knock I'm, off a writing point i'm just telling you <laughs> no, nah, i, I kind of like that though because i i don't i don't want to i would rather wait and get four or five episodes and get five episodes later, maybe at the first of next year when we're not watching anything Trek, then double up and then have a dry spell where we don't have anything. So I would rather wait and have some when there's not some. Does that make sense? It is. And, and Paramount is pretty busy. Like, so you got discovery coming up and then, you know, Yellowstone kicked off so that's a big deal. And then I know this is not Paramount, but we got The Expanse starting in 1st of December. So it's going to oh, be a lot to man. watch. And the Boba Fett show. And, and yeah. You don't, the Hawkeye show. And 
you don't want to get lost. I mean, they got us. They hooked us. Like, leave it there so we won't forget about it. Because I think if they if they did keep playing episodes with everything else that we're going to be watching, it'd probably get lost. Yeah. yeah. And we know how Lost ends, so we don't want that. I've never watched Lost, so. <laughs> me neither. I need to watch it. And, and let me say again, like, this is another episode. I watched it the second time and enjoyed it even freaking more, man. So, yeah, I'm loving these shows. But with that, let's go ahead and get ratings. Kyle Jones, what do you rate this Ooh, episode, man? You start me first. I'm going to give it a four. You know what? I don't like giving fives unless it's really... And, Wow. Okay. I'm just going to give it 4.99. Oh, wow. Nice. 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 Jonathan Shorts, what about you, man? Oh, man. It's just, it's, it's, it's got to be a five. There's absolutely nothing oh, I wow. didn't like about this other than they landed the freaking ship, but that's more of a personal <laughs> preference. <laughs> it's not a fault against them. I just watched Voyager too many times over and it just, yeah. It's just kind of like if Kyle Wynn would have showed up in this episode. (laughs) Like, if she would have been great, it would have been great. Oh, which, which, unfortunately, you know, she passed his pet last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. End us on a downer, John. Come on, man. I'm sorry. Okay, quick question. Can I redo my writing? Yeah. Five. What you got, man? Five. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I'm going to go right there with you because. Other than the ship landing, and there's one other there's, there's one other part that got on my nerves is when the one time Janeway tried to contact uh, Dal RL, he had his communicator off looking into the landscape. Yeah, uh, yeah convenient, but man, I I'm giving it a five too. Man, I just really love the episode. I really can't find much fault in it at all, and I'm just hoping other people are enjoying it as much as we've been enjoying it because it's been really really fun, really fun. Absolutely. All right, guys, we're going to wrap things up. But first, it's time for Trek Trivia. As always, Trek Trivia is where we ask a burning Trek-related question. Jonathan, what do you have for us this week, sir? All right, so let's uh, test your trekkiness. Uh, Either you're trekking and you know this, or you're not really and you don't. Oh, see, you keep, you (laughs) raise the stakes so high. What if we don't know it? Well, it's, it's just like, it's just trying to embarrass us on the show. That's what you're trying to do. I am not. Like, we're on discussing <laughs> trick. Like, uh, you, you're raising the. St- okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let me say this. We're on discussing trick. We're not on knowing trick. <laughs> well, we're helping people know trick better. <laughs> okay. Hit us. What you got? Man? All right. What you got? So, <clears throat> which captain? has a battle maneuver named after him that involving that involves warp warping toward an enemy to so as to appear in two places at once. Oh God. You know this, Clarence. See, I'm getting confused with this and the Riker maneuver from him lifting his leg over the chair. <laughs> <laughs> That's not gonna help you in battle. So so I don't know if it. Um, I want to say Riker because of the leg thing, but I mean I know that's not it. But I hear that so much. I think it's Picard because in the uh, finale of Picard, he mentioned some maneuver that he did before, but I don't remember that it's called the Picard maneuver. So I think I'm wrong. People, I know you're screaming at your podcasters now, telling telling me how wrong I am. I have no idea. I was just going to say Captain Hook just to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong podcast, Kyle. 
<laughs> Captain Nemo. <laughs> Captain Codfish. Captain Intonil. Oh, boy. Uh, you broke your little ships, Picard. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jonathan, help us out. We uh, you, you obviously set us up for that massive fall. So what Captain, pray tell, has this dual ship maneuver named after him? It was, you were right, it was our, our dear Captain Picard. Who's so in 2355, command was Picard was in command of the USS Stargazer when it was attacked by an unknown alien vessel, later determined to be Ferengi origin. In that engagement, it, he destroyed the Ferengi ship and he used it used that maneuver to do it. He also oh. you also see this used, uh, and I don't remember the name of the episode, and I didn't research it, but you remember they were doing it may be called War Games. So Starfleet kind of ordered like a series of war games and they put uh, Riker in charge of a ship and Data was in charge of a ship and they were kind of going through a war game. And then Picard yeah. used the Riker, I mean, used the Picard maneuver. But oh, man. Up until that point, no one had ever known how to defeat it. And Riker did. Hmm. Mm. See, and I need to go back and watch the episode. <laughs> I might have. I think it's called The Battle. The yeah. Battle. TNG The Battle. You heard that, folks? That's your recommended watching for the week. The battle. TNG. Also, I mean, again, the reason it was referred to in the Picard season one finale is because I believe they mul- multiply the Lost Arena. Uh, they made multiple versions of the Lost Arena for a second, didn't they? Uh, I yeah, I think, you, I think you're right. Mm. Now that you mention it. Awesome <laughs> sauce. Yeah. And we're going to end it there, guys. Thank you all for listening. As I mentioned before, you can hit us up at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias and fans at Discussing Trek via email. Now, I will say that if you're into the latest season of Doctor Who, you should definitely check out the Discussing Who podcast where we are reviewing the six part uh, story of of Jodie Whittaker's final season. Hope that's not a spoiler. But yeah, guys, thank you for joining as always. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. Your traveling companions are fellow fans of Doctor Who. That's right, it's the podcast Discussing Who. Exploring the worlds of Doctor Who, past, present, and future. Find out more at DiscussingWho.com. 
You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.